welcome to uh, the first episode of our Lowest of the Low podcast. So I just want to talk a bit about the name before we start introducing <laughs> ourselves. So, <laughs> Chris, who is uh, a co-host with myself, uh, Chris was labelled by the Daily Mail, Lowest of the Low, because he's a very horrible man and he likes no. to personally... That's, um, Do you want me to tell a story, Chris? I think no, you probably slanderous, isn't it? What, what happened is I was ruthlessly picked upon by the Daily Mail for what was a, a very innocuous and highly um, amusing tweet. I'm not going to go into specifics. Joe, you know I do actually take issue. If you actually find the original article, I didn't tell you this last time when I was telling you about it, but it wasn't just about me. It was about a series of people who tweeted about this particular incident. And they put my tweet, which you know isn't actually that bad, they put my tweet alongside people who had been like wishing death on people, like not even as a joke, just like, hope you die, hope your baby dies, sort of giving away what the story was, and all this stuff. And I'm like, mine was just a joke. They put me and Joan uh, Rivers, so an actual comedian, together, and then also with people wishing death on uh, this person and their child. So slightly unfair, I thought, but, you know. Uh, are we allowed to name the child? Are we Not the child. Are we allowed to name the, the person it was about? Uh, Adele. Uh, Adele. Uh, uh, singer. Sorry, Say no more. Well, can we edit that bit out? We'll have to run Which that by bit? Adele's team before this goes out. <laughs> Just in case. It's one of the uh, top celebrity so, uh, views. You've heard of Taylor Swift and Kanye West. And now it's Chris Whiting and Adele. And Chris White and Sam Bailey, but that's another story for another time. Yeah, I'll be bringing that <laughs> one into it. So, yeah, just to introduce ourselves, I'm Aaron Wilson, and this is Chris. Chris, Chris White, hello. You, you are Adele's nemesis, of course. Um, and our new podcast, uh, we've had a lot of problems with it. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so we, uh, More than we should have. I mean, we recording remotely is hard enough, but... Uh, finding software that actually works and that we both know how to work is another story, it turns out. I thought it was going to be really easy and we were just going to click through. We've planned this meticulously. We've, uh, we've done it. Well, we haven't really. There's no need to lie. We've, we haven't um, really. But, well, to be fair, though, we we hopped on to FaceTime at 8 o'clock this evening thinking, you know, by now we'd be finished, beat up, having done a really good job. It's now five past Beer ten, and we've hand. literally just worked out that we can definitely record our conversation. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh well, we've got there in the end. So this um, this podcast came about as part of our... We made a list, and obviously um, lockdown has been... Well, it's been longer than I think everyone thought it would, would be. Where are we now? Like, what, a year later? And things are better, but... Not quite uh, yeah. how I thought it would be, but we we made a list a while back, and this was on the uh, the list to do. So this is our I, I want to call it a serious take, but it's uh, perhaps not. Maybe a bit satirical. I don't know. Yeah, um, well, I guess we'll see how it goes. Be, I don't know. I'm not yeah, sure we will. Do you remember <laughs> though, the, at the start last March when I actually did genuinely believe lockdown would be three weeks? I, I, yeah. I have a specific memory of watching Friday Night Dinner um, one Friday and texting my friend Emma and 
so, so we were talking about Friday night dinner, and I was like, oh, I can't believe it's been a week of lockdown already. Oh, well, only two more weeks to go, and everything will be normal. <laughs> a year later. That went well. Oh, dear. It's, you know, that's just famous last words. What was it's, I thinking? It's been a weird... It's been a weird time, though, hasn't it? I mean, it's just... It's been one thing after another, and I think that as much as it's been 12 months, things have moved... I want to say they've moved quickly. Like, the vaccine obviously came out really quickly, but things have moved in themselves very slowly. Yeah. And, you know, I think... We're going to talk about the roadmap and stuff and and lockdown, and I'll be out of this, I suppose, later on. But I think having a bit... What a year it's been. Did you think we'd be here this time last year? You said it, you thought it was only going to be three weeks. But, you know, where where do we go? How realistic... I think let's just come on to the issue, I think. How realistic is this lockdown plan for you? Well, um, and so basically what we're being told is in four-ish months, social distancing will be completely obsolete. When you think of it in those terms, that seems... It seems, I was actually talking to my mum about it earlier, it just seems weird that there's literally going to be a point soon-ish, as we're being led to believe, where, you know, I'm not going to have to jump into the road to, you know, get away from a a, a more senior individual, or, you know, I'm not going to have to shove a mask over my face every time I walk in and out of the shop. It's just like, that's become really normal now. And it, I, I, apart, when you look, I think, I'm in two minds about it because when I think about it in that sense, like how restricted our lives are at the minute and how it could literally click back to normal in a few months, that seems a bit, well, it seems completely far-fetched. It doesn't seem feasible. When, I mean, I've made a point, I've really struggled with coronavirus and the lockdown and all the sort of negative press. So I've followed loads of like accounts on Twitter and whatever else with all the positive stats and news. So I get tweet notifications yeah, yeah. every time there's any positive news, I'm straight there. And um, when you see all the stats about the vaccine, the 22nd of June seems perfectly reasonable because I'm looking at this. I'm, I'm not an epidemiologist, obviously. Um, I wouldn't be making this low-budget podcast if I were. Uh, but, <laughs> but, You're not on the government briefing just yet, then? <laughs> no, not yet. You won't? No, I'm afraid not. Um, it's, just, it's me, Chris White, and Chris Whitty. It'd be a bit confusing. Um, side note, every time I see Chris Whitty's name written anywhere, I have to double take because I think it's going to be my name. Um, anyway, um, so, um, yeah, I, I, looking at the statistics of how the vaccine's working, I think 22nd of June is doable, but don't, it's difficult because it's like you don't want to get your hopes up just in case things don't go to plan. But yeah. I think in theory, if you look at the data, it's hard not to be optimistic i don't know what do you think so i just let's just let's just look at the key dates i think firstly because obviously um what is it next month 8th of march they're going to reopen schools and then what is it two people i don't get this though this is the this is the part i don't understand so two people are allowed to sit together outdoors yeah so the rule at the moment is two people can meet together outdoors but they can only do exercise is that right yeah Okay, and then care home residents are allowed yeah, one, one visitor. regular visitor. Yeah. And is that, that's not behind glass or not I don't know, and I'm assuming it, it, it's, because my grandpa was in a care home at the start of the first lockdown, um, and mm-hmm. we, 
So it wasn't like a visitor a day. It was literally just one. We had, it was hard because obviously we had to nominate one person who was able to go and see him. Um, so I'm yeah, assuming yeah. they're going to go back to that. Um, yeah, I don't really understand the the park bench coffee thing. To be, if we're being honest, I don't know if I'm sure you've all been out. People are doing that anyway. I think people are mm-hmm. assumed exercise meant you can go for a walk, grab a takeaway coffee. I, I think and stop. Yeah, I'm not really. Yeah, I'm not really sure that's making any difference. I, I can't see. So they're the uh, they're only they're the three main points that are going to change apparently. Yeah. So I don't see other than schools um, reopening. I don't see much, and obviously there's nothing on unis uh, at that no. point. That doesn't say. I know. I don't know what the situation is with them. And I don't. I guess it'll probably be left to the discretion of each yeah, one in the end. Yeah. But the next. Well, actually, no. This is still step one. Apparently, I think this might actually be step two. But it says uh, step one on the big two. This is two. Weird. another issue I have with it. I, well, the, it's, it's too tiered. It's too yeah. tiered, isn't it? Isn't it? Two of the steps are actually two steps. So it's like step one A, step one. Why not be step one? Step two. Just have more steps. It seems weird. I don't know. <laughs> so step. So step one, I guess we'll call it step one B. Yeah. Uh, 29th of March. So six people or two households, I guess of any number, are allowed to meet outdoors, not indoors. Um, outdoor sports facilities are opening, and organised sport. I assume that means football, uh, yeah. cricket. Yeah. It's your grassroots. I assume it's that. Yeah. So anything outdoors, effectively, is allowed to resume, and travel outside local areas is allowed. So I didn't. I thought travel outside the local area was allowed at the moment, but was discouraged. So I'm not sure if that's a massive change I either. Think, I think, yeah, to be fair, I think there's been a massive issue, particularly with how quickly the rules changed at the back end of last year, because it's been impossible to keep track. Because I thought the ruling was, in terms of travelling, try to stay local, but... Like again, I didn't think it was illegal for you to leave your immediate locality, but they didn't want you to. Yeah, because there was that incident with Boris Johnson. I was going to say there was that incident with um, those women in Derbyshire, and they were fine, weren't they? Because yeah. they went. Well, they well they've gone somewhere is, else. They've gone from Ashby in Leicestershire, which is literally, literally on the border of Derbyshire. I think they've gone like five miles mm. over the border into Derbyshire. Um. And then obviously we had that issue with Boris Johnson biking. Was it to the Olympic Park in Stratford, which is the other side of London? Um, so I don't know. Again, I've, these. This is. I think this is another thing. A lot of. I think I've seen a lot of people since these announcements were made, being quite uh, dismissive. I can totally understand why they would be dismissive, given the the track record of the promises made during the whole lockdown period from the government about it being achievable that we'd be out of lockdown and out of restrictions by the 21st of June Um, but um, I think if you look at the initial steps things don't really change that much like we're saying the 8th of March you're allowed to go outside and sit on a bench with one other person not a massive change people are pretty much already doing that from what I've seen anyway sorry if you heard that weird computer notification noise um and then <laughs> can't control that again. Um, and again, with the, with the stuff about the rule of six outside, I don't and being able to travel outside your immediate locality, I don't think they're huge changes really. I think the big acid test will be the later stages of hospitality opening up and whatever else comes after it or with it. 
Yeah. So I was just going to come on to that because obviously step two, and obviously these are all earliest possible dates. So step two is the 12th of April. So non-essential retail, personal care, so obviously hairdressers, salons uh, reopen. Mm-hmm. Uh, hospitality outdoors opens. What does that... I don't know what that means exactly, so, but there we go. Basically, it's, it's like you, it's al fresco is okay, so you can go to a restaurant and you okay. have to stay outside, which is going to be weird, and I'm not sure from a business perspective. So you can't... So, so before, obviously, before Christmas, you could eat inside with people of your same household or support bubble is that not the case here then or no, is that i don't, I don't think until I... may because i basically this is the, the frustration oh, you're right you are right yeah because it's april the 12th it's outdoor but so obviously well i can say obviously people don't know me my family <laughs> runs a pub in northamptonshire and i mean I think the plan is to open on April the 12th for outdoor eating and drinking, but realistically, is it going to be viable? We don't have a lot of outdoor space. The weather in April in England, it could go. we could have a really nice spell where it's dry, but it could chuck it down or snow. Like it, It's impossible, really, for any hospitality business in this country to sort of rely on that because it's just so, it's so dependent on like extraneous circumstances. I'm not really sure... And again, I don't really, I, I don't really know if that's even a massive change. Sitting outdoors, we already know Ooh. that coronavirus is far less likely to transmit to other people outdoors anyway. So again, I don't really think we see um, the sort of more adventurous restrictions being lifted in, until until late May. Yes, I think I've got the seventeenth here is step three. So it's quite. A, there's no. There's no step two B. So all of that was uh, in in the step two. So just to clarify, indoor leisure. So gyms, swimming pools open again on the twelfth of April, and self-contained holiday accommodation opens as well. But obviously, these are all earliest possible dates, and I think what is it five week review period between each yeah. one. So the step three one, which is the seventeenth of May, these are the ones which. Um, I think are the most drastic changes that we will have well we will have seen in since since normality. So you've got uh, outdoors, most social contact rules lifted. So I guess that rules out the rule of six. And uh, I don't know whether that mitigates social distancing or or not. I'm not 100% clear on that. I don't think it does because I think that's the next step. Um, but six people or two households can meet indoors now. So there's no limit on outdoors, but there is a limit still on indoors. And indoor hospitality and hotels reopen as well. Um, that's quite a big change, to be honest. Um, I don't know what that means for... I suppose, Does that cover festivals? Because it's... I, think, I, mean, I suppose it doesn't, really. I'm not, I'm not really sure what they're going to do about festivals, because there is a point, isn't there, where the outdoor... Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm signed up to... Um, a mailing list for the Leeds and Reading Festival, and obviously there. Uh, where's my invite? Much... <laughs> I don't. I don't work there. No commercial <laughs> promoting this here. Just literally just saying. Uh, but obviously, it cancelled last year. Glastonbury has already cancelled this year. Yeah. Um, and they are Reading and Leeds, are obviously ploughing ahead. Um, with the plan of running it in August, I think it runs over the August bank holiday. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. 
you know, I'd love to hear from, obviously from them and see what they say. But are they off? Do you think they're offering people? I don't know. I mean, I find it really hard to to think how we can go from the position we're in now yeah. to. I know June is the sort of estimated date that they're going to remove social contact, and I think we'll come on to that in a minute. But I find it really difficult to see how all those people crammed into. Well, it's not. I mean, it's a, it's not a particularly large area. I've been before to Reading and having watched the people at the start, I don't understand how that's going to work with all those people there. Because are they just, I think what, we'll come on to the, oh, we'll come on to the social point because I think it's important. So step four is all legal limits on social contact removed and a hope to reopen final closed sectors of the economy. Now, I think that's, does that cover theatres and stuff? I, I think that might be one force. Yeah, theatres. Yeah. Football stadiums, I think. Yeah, and um, I just think that if if anyone's of, I mean, most people, you know, our age have been to nightclubs, know what nightclubs are like. It's a big queue outside, absolutely rammed inside. People queuing at the bar, people everywhere, really. And I just wonder whether or not they're going to say because they did say that they were going to remove limits on stuff. Is there going to be a limit on the number of people that can let in, and will they have to do things like temperature checks at the door? Well, are they going to have the natural flow tests? I wonder yeah, how it's going to work. I've, I've, I mean, I've seen reports. I've not investigated them particularly. Oh, my cat's looking at me. Hello. Um, I've seen reports about um, Boris Johnson wanting to reopen these things with um, with testing. But I think it's also important to remember, if you think back to last year, uh, we had, I remember this acutely because it was my dad's birthday. So we had the worst uh, death toll on the 8th of April last year. Um, mm-hmm. And if you think to, was it July? Things were largely open in a COVID-secure manner. And this was a point where we didn't have really many effective treatments and we didn't have a vaccine. Um, And I think, obviously, that space of time is basically what we're looking at here. And I think now we have got the vaccine, I do do still think it's important, I think, for people as well who have been starved of hope and optimism this entire time to realise it is... I do think it's achievable... um, for us to sort of get back to this point where we can go see things without worrying about localised yeah. outbreaks. And I think this is the thing as well. Um, obviously, the vaccine isn't... Basically, the problem that we've got here is we talk about things like people going to clubs, you know, and you're saying there's going to be a lot of people, the, the virus may spread there. But we, what we basically, we need to... I think this is going to sound really hard, but we need to accept there is no route at all mm-hmm. to a zero COVID Britain. There is absolutely no well, the, path to that. That is unachievable. No, exactly. Yeah, I think it's important that people obviously accept that a vaccine is not a cure. And I think that's maybe where it's been misunderstood slightly. Because obviously this is... COVID is different to, you know, seasonal flu. But it works in, I think, you know, predominantly the same way in the way it spreads. Martin on Facebook says it is different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, 5G obviously uh, spreading it a, a long way at the moment. But, you know, I think um, for the first time, me personally, and I think you'll probably echo this, but for the first time in a long time, I feel quite positive about prospects because I think it's been quite hard the last, particularly the last year, because no one was used to it. No one, like you said at the start, no one thought it was going to go on as long as it has, you know, and 
there is I think it's hard to say this because there's obviously a lot of people still dying every day from it and there's still what 10,000 infections on average I think at the time we're filming this you know and it's still spreading I think like you say that there's no probable way that we could ever completely eradicate it now because it's gone beyond that yeah and my I know they talked about herd immunity at the start and there will be some some aspect of that and I just wonder particularly for you because obviously we've looked at all around the world at different approaches from different countries do you think that our our approach was right perhaps and you know look compared to someone like New Zealand who are already pretty much back to normal and when I think we need to accept that there are going to be obviously as you say cases are going to rise and they're going to come from it if they remove the social distancing regulations but do we do you see us going into lockdowns on a regular basis like New Zealand have when they've had a few cases and a spike well a lot of questions there I do want to clarify, I'm not an epidemiologist. This is a very amateur sort of perspective on it. And I welcome any constructive feedback from anybody who is an expert. <laughs> I'm sure we both do. Um, I don't think the UK government got it right. I think in hindsight, they were exceptionally foolish uh, to think that herd immunity would be A, achievable and B, desirable. Um, I mean, to be, I mean, I can't. I can't try and take the moral high ground. I think when COVID first appeared, I assumed it would be similar to swine flu and bird flu in that some people would get ill, some people would die, but for the vast, vast majority of people, we would be completely unaffected and life would just carry on and we'd all forget about it. Obviously, that's not what happened. I mean, that was our experience of a pandemic. We'd have everyone alive, basically, had never lived through, well, in the Western world anyway, had not lived through... A, a, an actual real proper pandemic so um i think a lot of us were quite dismissive i, I mean you'd hope that the government <laughs> would be a little bit more insightful than that but you know they weren't um and it, it, like i said before though if you look to like new zealand's approach they've obviously done a lot better at containing the virus their citizens are enjoying oh, our freedom we could only well what i could only pray to have the freedom that people in New Zealand have but it's important to know there is no route even for New Zealand for a Covid free future there will be a point where New Zealand will have to open their borders to the rest of the world and Covid will end up in New Zealand but thankfully because of the way they've handled it they should have most of their population immunised by then and any cases should be mild or asymptomatic and I think this is the thing we need to remember as well is I think and I, I, I don't know all the science behind this, but every time we've been talking about the vaccine rollout, we've been talking about the fact that it they've been shown these vaccines have remarkable, remarkable success in reducing death, hospitalisation, serious illness. But there's always been this question mark about how they affect transmission. And the early data suggests um, it is affecting transmission very positively as well but and again I, you can correct me if you know the answer because i genuinely don't know this but basically the, the argument is is if they protect against severe illness they protect against death but they don't get protect against transmission you know are we going to go back into lockdown and i can't see why that would have to be the case because if the virus is spreading but people aren't getting ill 
to the point they need hospitalisation or they're not dying, does it really matter if it's spreading? Because people get ill. I yeah, think that's yeah. a fact of life, unfortunately. People are going to get ill. And, you know, if, if it's not killing people and people aren't needing to have intensive care in hospital, what what difference does it make how many cases there are in a day? I, I, yeah, I mean, it, it, it would just... No, I agree. I think if essentially it will become like seasonal flu. And I do think that there is, like, obviously, Matt Hancock... Um, he sort of hinted towards this last week and said about that we probably would need annual boosters. And I don't think that's a, you know, I think like the flu now, every year I have a flu jab. I'm diabetic, obviously a higher higher risk as they would, would class me, a vulnerable person. Um, you know, there's just not obviously enough data to say whether or not it does affect people more. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to become like a seasonal vaccine thing and eventually it will just become normal but like you said i think the, the the priority is is that people can receive the care they need through the nhs without it being overwhelmed um and it's not even the fact that i think that uh you know obviously covid is is a main factor in in why the nhs is so strained at the moment but i think it's not even it's to accept that there are still going to be people going to hospital with it and unfortunately people are going to die from it but i think that that's realistically the same with with any illness you know it's not gonna it won't go away it's not gonna no i mean we're gonna have to learn to live with it yeah i I read a a thing i can't remember what it was but i read a a, an article talking about how we've only ever eradicated one virus ever and that was smallpox i mean it's simply just not really done it's not really achievable to yeah because viruses are intelligent in a way they they know that they need to change to survive and that but then in, in some ways, that's also a good thing. I think, obviously, people talk a lot about the threat of a, a potential mutation. And I think it's important to remember that viruses mutate all the time. That's what they do because they're trying to survive. And it, just because a virus mutates doesn't mean it's going to mutate in a way that is inherently worse for us. Um, you know, logic would dictate that it's going to, if it mutates, it'll be better for us because the virus's aim is to survive. It can't survive if it's killing its host. So in theory, the virus should become more infectious but less deadly as it mutates. Um, obviously, it doesn't necessarily mean it, that would be the outcome, but in theory, that is mm-hmm. generally the sort of trend that viruses take. Um, and again, I, they, there's been a lot made about, you know, vaccine rollout going well, but there could be this, this mutant strain um, that could render them useless. Again, I don't know all the science. I don't know of any instance where vaccines, which have been as effective as these have, uh, being rendered completely useless in a short space of time due to a simple mutation. I'm not saying that future mutations won't affect the efficacy of the vaccines. They almost certainly will. But I I think it's important to remember if there is going to be a a major mutation, it's not like we're going to go back to square one. It might set us back a bit, mm-hmm. but it's not back to the drawing board. We need to start all over again. I think people need to... Basically, I just want people to keep that in mind because I do think there's a lot of doom-mongering out there. And I do think that is very... I think it's dangerous. I think it's unfair. I think people deserve something to look forward to. And I think we have fairly good reason to be optimistic at the moment with how uh, things are going with in regards to the vaccines. But I wanted to ask you, actually, yes. to sort of talking about yeah. um, you know, the vaccine programme. 
what would you mm. think? Say, say we get to May. Um, you know, we started yeah. locking Britain, as they call it, the great unlocking. Say we're we're still getting cases. Deaths aren't down as as much mm. as we wanted them to be. We're still getting between fifty and hundred deaths a day. Would it be right for the government to go back into a lockdown, or would they have to say at this point, you know? We're going to have to just find a way to live with this virus now. Yeah, so I think, obviously I never want to put words in in people's mouths, but I think from what I, what I took from the announcement last week is that they've reached a point where they realise that lockdowns are probably no longer really sustainable. I think, compare. I just want to compare this lockdown to the last, or the first lockdown that we had. And you look, obviously, I don't know whether it's because lockdown was new and people were sort of more scared of COVID than they they are now. But you look at the roads when we locked down in March last year and they were empty. And now I look at it and think people are still saying, like if I, I admit I went down the, um, I drove my car on the motorway. It had a flat battery in fairness, so I had to charge it up. I can't believe it. Yeah, central travel. Shocking. Um, and it Scandal. did. They, yeah, I know. On the very first episode. <laughs> <laughs> Kill us now. Um, no, but it, obviously they've got things on the uh, the gantries above the motorway to say essential travel only, stay home. And the message was, you know, stay home and work from home if you could. But I just find it very different now. You know, I think I work for an employer who was obviously I work from home the whole time, and it's been really easy for me to just get on with work because I had that in place, and I understand that people had it differently and. And whatever else, but I feel like companies and businesses were a lot more accommodating in the first lockdown, and there's a lot less fear around it. I forget where I was going with this, and like I say, yeah, I don't want to say that the government are accepting deaths. I don't think that's really what it is. I do think that there is some, you know, playing devil's advocate, and I know you said obviously they could have done a better job, but um, it, it was an unknown event, and people didn't really know how things were going to go. Yes, I agree, we could have done things things better but are we accepting death as part of life I, I think that's really what it is now um but yeah like i don't think lockdowns are going to be part of the future i don't i don't see that happening maybe in winter i know they obviously touched on that a couple of times in a couple of the recent press briefings but i can't see if they bring a lockdown back into place i can't see people following that so i don't think it's more about yeah whether or not they would want to do it, I just think whether or not it's feasible to do it in terms of are more businesses going to go bust? Yeah. Are more people going to lose their jobs? Are we going to have a bigger economic impact with that? Yeah. I, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think it's accepted jobs. I just think it's weighing things up against each other and working out whether or not if we can, if the NHS can cope with it and yeah. obviously the staff are going to have, so there's going to be a knock-on effect from this. I don't think there's any point in skating around it. Yeah. But, you know, if they can minimise the hospitalisations and people aren't getting a severe ill from it, I don't see that this is going to become lockdowns are going to be part of the the future, I think, which is good. Yeah, I think that's. I think if if there's going to be a future lockdown after this one, I think the biggest issue uh, the government would face is is public will, because like you're saying, I think <laughs> in this lockdown there is a huge fatigue. People are fed up of being stuck inside. Um, and fed up with not knowing when it's going to end. I think obviously this roadmap helps with that, having dates in mind. I think that was a good thing that the government did in yeah. actually putting dates on things. 
rather than just sort of broad aspirations of we'll do this in this order. I think it's important because now people think, ah, four more months of this, I can do that. Whereas before it's, oh, God, how many more days is it going to be of me doing this? And I think that does help people. Yeah, it was never ending. Yeah, having that sort of end date. Um, but I, I, I think just wanted to... Um, sorry, I just wanted no, to carry go. on. No, go, go for I it. Just wanted to, um, I just wanted to touch on something. And, you know, on the basis, and I want to assume that everything is going to go to plan, the vaccine rollout is going to continue really well, and we're going to, you know, we're going to get that, that target. I think it was the end of... End of July was no. Was it start of September that we thought we were going to vaccinate all yeah. adults in the UK? And obviously, I, I know that they are looking and researching into the children and stuff as well. But assuming that all goes well, and there's not been a lot of positive news for the past year, what are you most looking forward to doing? I suppose that you wouldn't weren't able to do before. Oh, Aaron, seeing you, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Filming this podcast in person, you should have said. <laughs> Going to the pub with you, obviously, it's top of my list. Do you know what? Weird, and this is going to sound... Do you know this would have been the perfect segue to our next segment, but genuinely, <laughs> I cannot wait to walk through the turnstiles at the King Power Stadium again. I cannot wait. It's... I mean, I love football, but I... It, I just feel so disconnected compared to normal. I mean, obviously, I'm involved and I obviously care about what's going on, but it's just, you just feel so separated from it. And it, I think that would be a massive. And I'm just looking forward to being able to just sort of text a friend and be like, oh, do you want to go and do this? And <laughs> like not having to think about it, but yeah, okay, let's go and get something to eat. Or just, yeah, just, oh, I don't know. Even just sitting, I said this uh, the other day, actually, what a difference it makes just being able to go and sit in a coffee shop rather than just go and get a takeaway coffee, just to go and, when you oh, yeah, sit yourself easy. down for a half an hour and like go through your phone and have a coffee, like just something, just to feel normal. I think I, I, all of it. I think I think the social distance inside of things is just what makes a real difference. And I just wonder or not whether or not people will actually. I mean, I'd love to hear from people listening to this podcast and if they if they feel that they're maybe if they're going to struggle going back to real life. Because I was thinking earlier, I was just. You know, I was sitting there thinking, oh, the bar's open and there's no social distancing and I've got to get in that queue again. Yeah. Am I going to remember what, uh, you know, it sounds really stupid because yeah. it's only been a year. You get back in that bar, you get back in that bar and you think, oh, you know, this is what it was like before. Yeah. I know there'll probably be um, like things like hand washing and, you know, the yeah. sanitizer stuff will probably carry over. But honestly, I thought I was done with clubbing this time last year and I tell you what I cannot wait to get back in there hear that music and be crashing back out of the yeah. club at 4 o'clock in the morning yeah. I might even uh, I might have to come up to Mosh I think in Leicester I mean that's where that's where we've got <laughs> that's where well, there no are, promos as well. so there are unconfirmed reports that's where the pandemic started so <laughs> oh it's the cleanliness of the well, I did, <laughs> yeah I do really enjoy the uh, the, the tweets that, that come out and say if you've been to Mosh you don't need to worry about no, what's in the vaccine. <laughs> but yeah, I, no, yeah. It, it is. It's just it's just normality. Like I think, even things like going on the train, like people say that the masks and stuff will become, I think, a thing of, you know, everyday use for a while. Um, I mean, I don't want to start saying I'm anti-mask. I'm not. I will wear a mask if I go into the shop, as you should. Um, but if they say it's safe to wear, not to wear a mask on the train, then I don't think I'll be rushing to, to wear it. Obviously, I think hand hygiene is slightly different. 
Um, but I just think actually being able to meet up with people and not having to worry about, oh, I've only got, I've got, you know, five other mates and, not, you know, I can't invite the sixth one because I'm the sixth. Oh, very, very modest of you to boast yeah. about these five mates you have. Yeah, I've only got one friend. <laughs> Most That's of them it. I've only got one a table during the Rule of Six era. Exactly. I literally <laughs> just blow, I have to blow up, uh, blow, blow up plastic things and just <laughs> sit and pretend that they're my friends and everything. No, oh, it looks nice, and I think it will also be nice. Yeah, no, and you know how like the, the pubs have had like one-way things, and yeah. you'll know it more than I will because obviously when I came up to Andal in in the summer. I mean, we were talking in coffee shops a minute ago and how we had to sort of queue on the other side yeah. of the room and we even us, we were stood two metres apart and that when we were sat outside at your, your mum and stepdad's pub, you know, things are different and yeah. I just think that normality would be so nice to go back and, you know, I don't think it can come soon enough. I mean, you know, for, for things like that. I think as well, on a personal note, what I'm looking forward to is my grandpa died... 28th of March last year so it would have been right at the start of the pandemic and we've got a big family and we've not been able to all get together as a family and sort of mm. you know celebrate his life um we obviously had to only have 10 of us outside at his funeral which was obviously difficult having to move this he's got four kids uh 15 grandkids whatever so it was obviously really difficult mm. to sort of narrow that down I think like just being able to do things I think that just having that liberation not having to worry about like you were saying with your friends like not having to worry about oh we can only have such and such here so you know having to exclude people because it's not a nice feeling to exclude people no I mean, yeah absolutely yeah I, I don't know it's just but these, but these are the real these are the real stories like the stories like yours and you know that's a real big difference for you know that's a life changing event I mean I think yeah, I keep going on about nightclubs opening again. That's not really the be all and the end all of it. And I just think I feel sorry. For, no, but I feel sorry for all those people that haven't been able to go to a funeral or you know haven't been able to see people get married that you know that they love. And this is just such yeah. a massive change well, for. I, I should be clear. I did actually get to go to the funeral. So. No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was fine, and that's. You, I, you, I know, you know. You know. Yeah, I, mean. I do. But I, in some ways, I don't really think. I don't think one is more. Uh, serious than the other because you know I, I I feel the same about you in terms of going to a club. I'm 25, and I consider this to be my <laughs> my prime years, and I, I do <laughs> feel, and I'm sure you feel it, and I'm sure other people our age feel it. I feel cheated. I feel like a part of my life has been stolen from me, and I feel like I'm not going to get this time back. I'm not going to get this time yep. again. I wanted to use this time for a very specific thing. I wanted to go out and get drunk and meet strangers and go travelling but I've not been able to do that and to be honest with you we don't know when we're going to be able to go travelling and things like that again you know just because it's going to be better here you know we're, we're doing well with the vaccination we don't know what it's going to be like everywhere else um, so I don't think you know I, don't know, I totally appreciate what you're saying obviously going to a funeral feels far more important but I think you know all of these things make up your life and I think I don't think it's silly to, like I said, the first thing I thought of about missing was going and watching a football game. I've been able to see every single game. I've watched every single game. But for me, it's important for me to actually see it in front of me with my eyes rather than through a screen. I mean, mm. realistically, it's not the end of the world, is it? But it's important no, to me. I think, you know, with, I think all these small things, they all add up, don't they? So it's... 
Well, really, it's just um, I don't think that anyone's ever looked forward to what is normal life more. Yeah. And I, even if it's like a mundane and boring life that people think is you know, just routine, I don't. I think people will be gagging for that, really. And I was just going to pick up on your point of uh, watching every single game on um, TV. I just wanted to say I don't think I've ever heard the Emirates sounding so loud. So oh, that has been loud. <laughs> that has been a nice a nice uh, thing as an Arsenal fan to hear hear fans. But I think that a lot of the time, the last game I went to at uh, Arsenal was against Southampton, and it was the two-all draw. Um, you know, it was right at the end of the Emery era. So it's been a while. Not yeah. been obviously, I'm, you know, didn't get sat that long ago really. But I think that this event really does make people appreciate sort of what normal was and it, compared to this yeah it's it's heaven really and i'm i'm you know i like i said it, it's the first time i've been excited about the future for a while yeah and i, and I hope it all does go to plan really That's, i'm wondering if, if there's anything you're sort of grateful for from lockdown and all the restrictions we lost my dog in in September, we've had him. We had him. What? I see. Keep saying we have, but you know, it's yeah. it's, it's it's weird, you know. Yeah. And I think that especially since we've been in the whole of lockdown, and we had him. You know, we went to lockdown in March last year, and um, he died in September, obviously. So we had six months with him, where every day we were at home with him, and it was everyone. I mean, my mum obviously is a nurse, or she works in a surgery, so you know, it's slightly different for her. But I think. Particularly on animals, they do they do have, they leave a big hole in your life, obviously, when they go. But for us, yeah. it was really nice to have that that time. Um, you know, I think towards the end, he wasn't really himself, but it was nice to to spend that time. And I think where as before, I was in London pretty much, you know, five days a week. Um, you know, and I was out most nights after work as well. Yeah. So it, it's obviously been a different life, and you know. I'm, I don't think either way. I'd say I'm grateful for whatever it, it. I'm grateful just to still still be here after 12 months. I think, but um, you know, it was that was the one highlight I think of, of spending that time with him that you yeah. wouldn't usually get. And yeah, and even I think, time with family because mm-hmm. I don't know about you. I mean, I'm close with my family, but I would never spend all this yeah. time with my mum, for instance, like and my stepdad. Mm-hmm. Like we've just spent so much time together. And even my sister as well. Like, yeah. So it's just been nice to sort of reconnect as a family, as a, like a literal very close family, because obviously distant family members I've not been able to see as much. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess it's not all been terrible. but No, it has been nice to spend time, I think, with with family, um, even though they do drive me insane. I mean, working at home has been slightly different because obviously everyone's been here and obviously my brother was at university and he had his, his placement cut short and I know it's been hard for him all but I, like, it, it is nice to have that around us and obviously like you say you know you have more than just that one bubble if you like yeah. as they call it now um, yeah. but no I think it has been nice to spend that time and I do think we are uh, closer as a result of it um, but you, I think you, you think you have to be really because you don't yeah. see anyone else. Like, I think it's we're doing obviously recording this now. You know we might talk like once a week or we might text each other every now and again. But you yeah. know you are only seeing your friends on Zoom or went through that phase in the start of lockdown last year where we literally had Zoom quizzes twice oh, a week. God. 
And I'll tell you what, when people say to me, do you want to do a quiz now? No, let's leave that. Let's leave that as a lockdown thing. I think quizzes are done. Quizzes are a thing of the past. I (laughs) I love pub quizzes, but I've done enough quizzes through Zoom and whatever else. House party to last a lifetime. I'm so done. (laughs) (laughs) Just give me a pint in the pub. I don't need the quiz. The worst thing was, I don't don't know if it happened with you, but like, because I've got a big family, it was like I was having a... (laughs) I'd have like three a week, so it'd be like I'd have one with like a group of friends, one with like my mum's side, one with my dad's side, one with my grandma, one with some cousins. I'm like every night I'm doing a freaking quiz. It was like I can't, I can't go. <laughs> oh, that was my life. Oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> and then I added a, added a work quiz on top of that, and I just thought I never won either, never once. Every time I'd always come second or third or whatever, and then oh, I did win. But that was see, I did win, but this is the the worst thing we did about it I'd win and it was always winner makes an X quiz so it was one week I had oh. to make about five different quizzes I was like this is just awful <laughs> alright not blowing your own horn or anything here five <laughs> <laughs> a week look I'm blowing quizzes and I'm not going to apologise for it you need what's to your, is your would your strongest round be a sport round do you think oh no I don't know really or would it be politics oh yeah maybe politics have you seen Richard Osman's House of Games I actually don't think I have. Is that the one on BBC? Yeah, BBC Two, six PM every weeknight. For that, I absolutely smashed that. I <laughs> smashed that. I know, but I am so good at it. I am. <laughs> so that is uh, that's it for our first podcast. We've we've touched on the lockdown stuff. I think it was probably longer than we we expected. We didn't realise how much there was uh, to get yeah, through, but. There's some beautiful irony there that our podcast was longer than we expected, a bit like the lockdown. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to hear from you guys um, what you think about the lockdown restrictions. Are they releasing them too quickly? Are they releasing them too slowly? Are you just fed up with it in general? I think that'll probably be the general consensus, but we'd love to hear from you, um, particularly if you're in different areas. You know, we'd like to hear what your experience has been of the lockdown and perhaps what you're looking forward to most because obviously we've discussed that a little bit tonight um chris i mean what a what a interesting first show i mean i didn't think we'd be in this position a year ago but fantastic to uh have finally got to this on the road and very good show i think there yeah it's weird it still feels surreal doesn't it but you know nice to sort of uh be able to um discuss it in depth and sort of uh reflect on uh how uh our year of COVID is gone and, oh, yeah, hopefully look forward to better days ahead. And actually filming the podcast in person. And, uh, yeah, and actually uh, filming. And maybe recording not remotely, you know, that would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> not being well, like thanks, uh... 70 miles away. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks everyone for uh, for listening to this and, and tuning in. And, yeah, looking forward to doing another one for you shortly. So thanks for that and take care.